Well, get your Bible down and go to Acts chapter 1. Tonight, I have a sermon where we're going to talk about praying for people that are lost. Hallelujah. Turn me down just a little bit, Bob. You know, in, 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 there's times in churches where we see people get born again on a regular basis. Turn me down a little bit more. There's times we don't. And it's almost like people are sitting around going, what happened? Where's, where's the Lord? Well, I want to show you why that is. And I want to show you why, how you can start getting people saved on a regular basis. And once you start doing it, you get addicted to doing it. But there's a little bit I got to talk about before you, we, we get to that. So Acts chapter 1, we'll cover a little bit of ground here first. Starting with verse 1, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. You understand in Luke is what he began to do. He, he's, he's still working in the book of Acts. Amen. Until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he presented himself alive after suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them 40 days and speaking things concerning the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, do not depart Jerusalem, Wait for the promise of the, uh, of the Father, which said, you've heard from me. For John baptized you in water, and you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, let me stop for a minute and let me make a statement to you. They're Christians here. They're already born again. These guys are Christians. Up everywhere you go in the body of Christ, you will hear them say that the church began on the day of Pentecost. How could that be true? The Bible says in Romans 10 that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What did John say at the tomb? He says, John looked in the empty tomb and believed. Thomas said, my Lord and my God, called him Lord and God. These guys, and then he, in John 20, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. They're already born again. This is not the beginning of the church. The church didn't begin on the day of Pentecost. Church been going on for 40 days, 50 days actually. Okay, just a little thought there because, because you know, if you, you know, you hear things and you don't realize, you just sort of take them like a little bird eating a worm, you know, uh, whatever somebody says, and yet that's not so. So the, so the church has been going on for a while. Now he's talking to these men who are already born again. And he said, now don't leave Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Now being filled with the power is not being born again. You, there's no such thing in the Bible as the new birth being called filled with power. The new birth is the new birth and being filled with the power is something completely different. So he said, John baptized you in water, but you'll be baptized or the word baptized means placed into baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days from now. Now let's move on. And. Therefore, when they had come together, they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, now these guys thought the millennial reign was about to begin. Now, you got to go back and think about what's going on here. They thought that the whole time Jesus walked the earth. They thought that Jesus was going to go into the temple like David and take it back. And the millennial reign was going to begin. When he died on the cross, that's why they lost it. 
they went, this guy could not be the right guy. How in the world is that so? There is no way. And you kept hearing them say that when he would talk about dying, they would say, we don't understand your words because they got the timeline so messed up, they didn't know there would be a 2,000 year church age of grace. As a matter of fact, do you remember Jesus making the statement to Peter, what if, I, if, what if John is here until I return, what's it to you? Now, he didn't say that John would not die before he returned. He just asked him, what's it to you? Now, see, and because of that saying, then the church had the idea that in their lifetime, the kingdom would return. They had no idea of a 2,000-year period. All right. Will you restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, this is the sovereignty of God. And he said, is it, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father put in his own authority. Now, listen, I know there's a charismatic faith and word. The faith and word has their goofy doctrines, and I'm going to tell you right now. Charismatics have their goofy doctrines that we are going to bring Jesus back. You're not bringing Jesus back. There is a time set by God that he'll come back and there's nothing you're praying all you're praying and all you're confessing is not changing the times that God set in his power now listen listen to me God did not place every all authority in the church's hands well, let me let me un, let me mess let me get you out of this mess the only thing you have authority over is what Jesus gave you at the cross he didn't give you the universe. It's not your universe. That's right. You can't make a sun and a moon and the stars with your faith. Now see, here's, here's where, and, and, and I'm talking faith people. I'm talking about coming out of Texas. That if you don't use your faith, you'll miss the rapture. No, you won't, you numb nut. You don't have to use your faith to make the rapture. You just use your faith to believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. You'll make the rapture. So see, the faith camp, it, they got their goofies too. And you got to watch them too. You can't trust them just because they're on television. You got to look at them and go, you got to call them on the phone and go, that's wrong, Leroy. You can't say that. All right, well, come ask me. I'll tell you. It sound a little arrogant, don't I? I can't help it if I'm right. All right. It is not for you to know the times or season the Father put in his own authority. That's not in the church's authority. But you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses to me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and in the ends of the earth. Now, I want you to do something right now. Underline in your Bible the word witnesses. This is a major word. Now, most people read that word and think he's talking about knocking on doors. He is not. The word witness is the Greek word martyr. And I know all of y'all went, that is not what I wanted to hear on a Wednesday night. I do not want to know about martyrdom. Did we come all the way out here on a Wednesday night to hear about martyrdom? Yes, you did. But the word martyrdom does not mean that you're going to die for your faith. It does mean that you're going to lay your life down for the will of God. Amen. 
Do you understand? That's what the word martyr means. Uh, when you got married, you were martyred because you knew you died that day. And if you didn't die that day, you did when you had kids. Amen. Amen. You had a, your life was gone forever. All right. <laughs> now, this morning when I woke up, um, the, Lord, the Lord said something to me and I wrote it in my little journal. Let's talk about tongues for just a minute. Because this has been... Well, it was real bad when I, when I got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, tongue talkers were a cult and it was, de you were a demon possessed and they preached it in the pulpits. As a matter of fact, I got to tell y'all something really funny. The preachers who started preaching against tongues and the 700 club, everybody went home and turned on the 700 club to see what it was. It had the opposite effect on everybody. Everybody's curious. What's this 700 Club thing, you know? And so back in, in the 70s, there was an Episcopalian priest that got filled with the Holy Ghost. And he wrote a book. Um, I forgot the name of the book. What is it? But anyway, he wrote a book. And, and people everywhere started, denominational people started being filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, at first, nobody knew what to do with it. Now, it's accepted. You know, uh, me, you know, um, it's funny when I'm, when I'm sitting around the table with all these pastors in a popka, I'll just look at them and say, well, you know, I'm a tongue talking devil chasing holy roll. And that don't bother them anymore at all. I mean, now 20 years ago, they'd have run me out of town if I'd have said that. So, so, but what is the issue with tongues? Is tongues a Pentecostal doctrine? Is it a charismatic doctrine? It is, actually, it's not. Because if I went around the room right now and started asking you, where did you come from? We would have everything from Lutherans to Nazarenes to Baptists to Catholics to heathen. I mean, we came from everywhere in the world and all of us were born again Christians when we arrived. And yet there was something more. All right, I'm going to read to you what it is and why it is. Now, when I read this, the, the light bulb is going to click. The primary reason people have a problem with tongues is lordship. They're not having a problem with tongues. People who do not believe in speaking in tongues, they love the idea that Jesus is their savior and he's going to take them to heaven when they die. They do not want to fully submit their lives to him now and being filled with the Holy Ghost is about witnessing and caring for others, healing the sick, praying for others. A witness in the Greek word is the word martyr. You're laying your life down for the world and the gospel. Tongues is about submission to God. Let me prove that to you. He said, don't leave Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. You don't need power if you don't care that everybody's going to hell. What do you need power for? I don't need any power. Who gives a rip about power? All I want is to make some money and go out and eat and then go be, be with Jesus. Now, we've preached the gospel in this nation. Come to Jesus and go to heaven. That is an incorrect 
gospel. It's partially true. There's nothing wrong with you believing that when you die, Jesus is going to take care of you and take you to heaven. There's nothing wrong with that. But the gospel was never about just you going to heaven. Jesus says, he talked in, a, in a John 14, he said, talking about coming, you know, in my house are many mansions. That's a mistranslation. The Greek word is many dwelling places. I'm going to go make a place for you in God. And when I go, I'll come and receive you to myself. For in the Father's presence are many dwelling places. In other words, I'm going to make a place for you in God. Jesus did not die to give you real estate. He died to bring you back into fellowship and relationship with God. Now, that's why the church is in America sitting around and just, they want the rapture so bad. And here's where the rapture teaching comes from. Y'all want it? I don't want to go through trouble. That's, I mean, it's just before trouble comes, I mean, are we going to get raptured or not? Well, let me, there's lots of Christians overseas getting their head whacked off. Uh, What about all that? Well, that's okay because they're all, you know, about half heathen anyway. They're all Muslims and, you know, you know, a Muslim might be saved, but he's still, yeah. And they're all, you know, desert rats and, and, you know, they're not Americans. And, you know, God has a special place in his heart for us. No, he don't. No, I'm sorry. He don't have a special place. He loves everybody's the same. So you know what? And anyway, if you want to be raptured, when they take a sword and cut your head off, you're going to be raptured right there. You're going to come out of that bloody hole and go right up out of your neck. And then y'all are looking at me. Oh, <laughs> Let me give you all a revelation. Rapture or no rapture, you're going to die. Yes, exactly. One day in the sweet by and by, you're going to die with a rapture or without a rapture. So I really wouldn't worry so much about when it's going to happen. It's not that big a deal. Amen. We're not supposed to be in love with heaven. We're supposed to be in love with the Lord. Amen. Are you all okay with this? All right. Now listen to this. Tongues is about submitting to God, his will and his way. The Holy Ghost is God on the earth. Speaking in tongues is about being used by God to rescue mankind. Come to Jesus, go to heaven. What a convenient message. No obedience is involved. Come to Jesus, make him Lord. Now that is a Christian. Now, having said that, we're going to talk about Witnessing. Go, go, go to Matthew 16. I've got a bunch of little scriptures for you. Sixteen twenty-one. And I'm going to read the most unpopular scripture in all American churches. I didn't even get a grunt. And this is, this is, this is, it's in your Bible. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples 
that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and be killed and raised the third day. And Peter took him aside and said, and rebuked him and said, Lord, I don't think so. I would not have that confession if I was you. This is not going to happen to you. You're going into Jerusalem. We're going to kick booty in there. We're going to, the kingdom is coming. Come on, baby. Don't be talking about dying right now. That ain't right. And he turned and said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me and you're not mindful of the things of God, but only the things of man. Now, let me stop right here and make a statement to you. You have an enemy in the earth far greater than, than the devil. It's called your flesh. Everybody in this room, whether you won't admit it or not, and you'd better admit it because if you don't, it ain't nothing but pride and we can cast that out. You struggle with your flesh. Your flesh does not want to obey God. That's why when you hear a scripture you don't like, you sit there and squirm. You're like, and, and God is dealing with your heart and you, are, and you are making up every excuse in the book not to do what he's asking you to do. From the day you get born again until the day Jesus takes you to heaven, he will deal with your flesh and your lack of submission in areas. Everybody in this room, there's nobody exempt from what I just said. Now, we all come to church and we all put on our hallelujah. (laughs) We love you, Lord. And while we're doing it, he's going... Yeah, and I, what about that thing I'm talking, I love you, Lord. You get a little louder so you don't have to hear that voice in there going, uh, I've been talking to you about six months now about that. And you're over there going, I just love you, Lord. Now, I love you, Lord. I put a little extra $5 in, but hallelujah, I just love you, Jesus. And he's constantly dealing with you about submitting your life. And just because you gave him some of it does not mean you gave him all of it. You got your area that's that's mine over there, and this is yours. You got Sunday from morning, but from noon, that's my day. You know, my with my day. And that little bit of money, that's your, that little my money. And, you know, this is my time. Don't be messing with my time. And we kind of got these little, we're going to give him a little bit of these, we're going to give him a little bit of that. And he's like, hey, I want it all. And, 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 and that's just not popular. Let me finish reading this. And Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Cross doesn't mean you're going to go die on it. It means that you're not always going to do what you want to do. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. All right, let me stop you again. There's no such thing as an atheist. If there, if there was no God, we would have no need for an atheist. The fact that there is a God, the fact that there is an atheist is proof that there is a God. I told an atheist that one day and he looked at me like, I said, you know, you don't fight against what ain't. That's stupid. Now, from the garden of Eden 
All, everybody on the earth, everybody on the earth has one issue to some degree. How much of them does God have? That's the issue. Everybody has that issue. Now, a sinner, it's none. If I want to be gay, I'll be gay all I want to. It's I'm in your face. They know there's a God. They already know there's a God. Don't, don't look at me. And t- I never talk to a sinner and try to convince him there's a God. That's stupid. They already know there's a God. I mean, listen to him talk. Jesus Christ. I go, he is Lord. Died on the cross. Rose the dead. If you, if you, if the, if you hang around a sinner long enough, he'll, you can, he'll help you preach. He has enough about the Bible coming out of his mouth, but you can say all kind of good stuff when after he gets to I told a guy one time, I said, his last name is, is Almighty. He said, what's wrong with you, Morgan? I said, Almighty. It's Almighty. He is Almighty. His last name's not damn. It's not damn. You think his last name's damn? It's not damn. It's Almighty. It's Almighty. Jesus is God. He's Almighty. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, you brought it up. <laughs> y'all, if y'all don't, if you don't witness the sinners, sinners are fun because they're just so dumb. They're just so stupid. You know, you they just hang themselves with every word. And they're always talking about God or Jesus or damn. One guy was talking about hell one day and I went, are you going? He goes, well, what the hell are you talking about? I said, that's what I'm asking you about. Are you going? Am I going where? I said, to hell. And what brought that up? You did. You brought it up. I mean, you're here talking about you. You, hell. And I just want to know, are you going? I'm not going. Jesus is Lord of my life. I made Jesus Lord of my life. I'm not going. Are you going? He said, well, Morgan, you're crazy. I said, I'm not crazy. I'm just helping you. We're just talking. You're, you're talking. I'm, ta- I'm answering your questions. <laughs> you have no idea how fun it is to hang around heathen. Christians, they were boring. You know, they're just kumbaya, kumbaya. Come by me, Lord Jesus. Come by me. Help me, Jesus. Okay. (laughs) Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit is it if a man gains the world and loses his own soul? What is... What will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in his glory and his Father with his angels, and he will reward each person according to their works. Now, go to Matthew 4. Matthew 4. Go back a few pages. The issue is lordship. Matthew 4.18. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers... Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, cast a net in the sea. They were fishermen. And he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, I understand that these two guys and the other 11 were called into a full-time ministry. So not everybody who Jesus walks up and says, follow me, he's going to put you in a pulpit and you're going to be full-time. You'll make a living preaching the gospel. As an apostle, which is a missionary, or a pastor, or a Bible teacher, not everybody. So, So we cannot look at that and think, that doesn't apply to me. Oh, it does. If you're following the Lord... 
He is going to make you into a fisher of men. That's what he is doing in you right now. Now, you might think you came in because you've got problems at home, and he'll help you with that. But the real issue he's working on is making a witness of his resurrection and his death, burial, and resurrection out of you. He, he has that job that you don't like, that you work at with all the heathen. He planted you right in the middle of all of that so that you could witness for him. And don't pray that you'll leave because you're not leaving. I tried all of that. I prayed all of those prayers and they didn't do any good. I had the Lord walked up to me one time and I was, when I first came here, I had a youth group and um, it was in Tom Copeland's church. And at that time, um, Melanie's the only one I know that was in that youth group that's in this church. She's the only one that made it. Nah, Kim Portalotten was in it, and there's a lot of kids. And, and, and I, I'm going to tell you, those kids gave me fits because they were so much like their parents. And I mean, I sat down to teach them the Bible, and they just acted like kids. It was terrible. So one day, the Lord, I, I'm really disgusted with this whole youth group thing. I'm preaching to them and ministering the word to them. And they just not listen to anything I have to say. Do y'all have kids? Okay. Do I need that? No, not really. That's snot for you. I don't know what happened to me tonight. I, I just, I can even go back home and try again. So I'm working at Fern Park as a maintenance man. And all of a sudden I hear somebody walking up behind me and you can hear because the parking lot's so old that the gravel has started, not, not, I mean the asphalt's starting to loosen up and gravel is in it. And the gravel, and you can hear somebody crunch, crunch, crunch. I didn't think anything about it. I'm standing there with a, with a pad and I'm fixing to go to another apartment. And someone walks up and I looked and no one was there. And I looked over here and nobody was there. And I thought, oh, I know somebody walked up. And all of a sudden, someone put their arm around me and pulled me up like this. And I, at that time, I knew it was the Lord. And he said, son, I sent you here because I have a problem. And you can do it. And when you get this one fixed, <laughs> I have another problem. I said that to let you know that this is where I came after that. And he thinks you guys are a problem. <laughs> Well, you were when I first came, but y'all are doing a lot better now. All right. Now, let's go back to this. He said, follow me, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. One of the, one of the things that you, the, the reason you're on the earth is to minister to people. And, and the question is, why is it, pastor, that we're not seeing more people saved? Well, I'm going to show you. Now, now before we get there, go to Romans 8, 14. Romans 8, 14. I got a bunch of scriptures and I need to show them to you because it doesn't do any good for me to tell you these things because they just kind of go in one ear and out the other. I want you to see it in your Bible. It says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Now, the Holy Ghost was given to you to lead you and guide you in everything that you do. There are, there are books on witnessing and there is things I can teach you on witnessing. But every person you meet is going to be very different. 
and everybody's going to be different and you're different. So there is no real cookie cutter how to get them. You know, you can't just kind of, you know, and I have friends that do the cookie cutter Christian thing. I'm not sure that works. I think it does. I think there's people been saved. I prayed with those people many times in my life. Met me on the street corner, want to know if I was going to heaven. I want to go to heaven, pray this prayer, and none of that ever worked. So I'm not, I'm not real big on the, the old cookie cutter. You know, knock on the door, turn or burn, you know, sort of a thing. I don't, I don't, I don't do that. So we're going to talk about why that is. So um, mm, Acts 9.6, go to Acts 9.6 now. Everybody's got to be led by the Holy Ghost, but everybody's called to witness. Everybody is. I think this is it. Now here's the key. And, and, and I was talking about Lordship. Now I'm going to show you what it looks like in the Bible and the way we should be walking with God. Now, when I show you this, I want you to understand this is not a prayer. Paul prayed just to go to heaven. Listen to as he's praying. Now, Paul is getting born again here. Uh, Saul, Saul, verse four, fell to the ground. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. It's hard to kick against goads. And he trembling and astonished says, Lord, what do you want me to do? You and I must pray this prayer. I'm going to slow down for a minute. Everybody in this room, all of you are different. I can't look at Tony and say, Tony, if you're going to be a, a mighty Christian, you've got to be in full-time ministry. That's not true. I'm not God. I want to know, I'm going to get a little plaque in my office. There's a God and we're not him. We don't, we don't make decisions. I can't tell you what you're supposed to be doing with your life. I can tell you how you're supposed to be acting. I can tell you what the Bible says, that you need to be born again, that this is the, this is the standard for character. There's a lot of things I can tell you that are true. But I can't look at you and tell you what you're supposed to be doing. You don't know. You can't pattern your life after another person. Now, I, I'm going to tell you all something. I, I tried it many times. There, there's a lot of things I tried in this church because other churches did it. It worked for them. It didn't work for me because God didn't anoint me to do that and call me to do that. I don't know everything. I know what he graced me to know. I can do what he graced me to do. And you can't come in here and look at me and say, well, Hagee does it this way. I'm not Hagee. I, I, I appreciate John Hagee. Or, 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 or what's, what's the kid in Texas? Um, Joel Osteen. Joel, no, I'm, I'm not Joel. I'm not even close to that. Amen. I mean, I just, listen. And if God graced him to do that and gave, I'm fine with that. Listen, I'm very happy in my skin. I don't have, I don't, I don't sit around at night and worry that my church is 300s and some other church in town is bigger. I, I don't care. 
I really didn't want to do this anyway. This is not easy. All right, let me ask you a question. You women who have children, wouldn't you have liked to have had 20? 20? Come on, 40. 70. No, you know, the more the merrier, but come on, y'all. I mean, a house full of kids. I mean, there, there's a point that you're going, am I insane here? You know, I mean, I, I, you know, Lisa, after, after Jordan, we quit. And later she says, we need a daughter. And I said, why? She said, we need nursery workers. I said, well, that she would have kept the boys straight. I can tell you that right now. She, we could have, a daughter would have fixed those three boys. Just takes a woman in the house to straighten everybody out, you know. But, you know, I got five and I probably like Lynn. You know, I wouldn't mind having a couple more. But, you know, there's a point where 20, 30, 40 kids, you're just crazy. So, you know, 300 people in a church, that's, you know, a thousand. Ten percent of everybody in a church is crazy. Ten percent. They are. They're, lo- they're, cra- they're crazy as a doorknob. They are. So we have 30 people that go to this church. They're crazy. Now, when we hit 500, we'll have 50 crazy people in this church. So the church down the street that's got 1,200, they've got 120 crazy people in that place. In other words, just find out what God wants you to do and do what he told you to do. And don't worry about what everybody else is doing. You can't compare yourself with someone else. So when Paul said this, he said, what is it you want me to do? You know, the Lord told me, this is me personally. He says, I want you to go to Orlando. And I'll be honest with you. I came to Jesus festivals down here. I didn't like it. I thought, I thought the ocean smelled bad. I could smell it all the way from Orlando. I said, that stinks. I smell fish. And I'm from Georgia. They have trees there. I mean, trees and, and, and you know, in the fall, you can wear a flannel shirt. And in the spring, the flowers come out. And there's seasons and bulldogs. And there's all kind of nice stuff up there. Didn't do too good with Alabama, did they? But they tried real hard. Anyway. So honestly, you know, coming here in, in Orlando was, you know, I thought that I'd come for a while, but when he said, you know, I was, and Melanie was on the trip when we were in Haiti and the Lord said, when you get home, they're going to ask you to take that church. Don't you take that church? Well, I argued with him. I said, no, I don't want to do that. You know, listen, when you're flying airplanes, shooting lobster, fishing and preaching the gospel, that's the will of God. <laughs> That's the will of God. I like it. And take a church? Really? What? And I asked him, I said, what did I do wrong? Why are you punishing me? He said, no, that's what I want you to do. And he didn't change his mind either. He said, no. So you know what? After I started pastoring this church, honest to God, I, I kept talking to other people about coming to preach for him. I would leave anytime I got a chance. I went to a church in Atlanta. There was no anointing on me at all. I could barely talk. I'm just talking. When I got home, I said, Lord, where were you? He said, I was asking the same question. Where were you? He said, I was in a popka. Where were you? 
And he got on to me bad about being in Atlanta preaching. I didn't call you to go to Atlanta and go preach. What are you doing up there? Oh, y'all, I'd like to tell you I've been the most submissive Christian, but I haven't been. I have had times when I have left. Y'all didn't know it. I left. (laughs) Packed up my stuff and left. Next Sunday, I was back here. (laughs) So you have to go to God and say, what do you want me to do? Now, whatever that is, he's going to lead you and guide you. But in in the meantime, he's going to place you places and he needs you there for the people. Now, I'm going to show you why people are not being born again around you. Now, you're, you're, you may be sharing your faith, but there's a tad more to it than that. So, anyway, uh, I told you to go to Romans. Um, uh, I'm going to skip these. Um, mm, I may come back to them. Um, anyway, go to John 6:44. Go to John 6. Let's talk about, let's talk about people being saved now. My... Che and I had dinner together the other night, and she said, you know, I asked the Lord one day, just use me. He said, my God, Dad, it happened that day. I mean, all of a sudden, I am preaching to this person and ministering to him. If you ask him, he'll use you, but you're going to have to do some praying. Now, I want you to mark these scriptures because every one of them are very, very, very important if you want to see people get saved. John 6, 44. You understand that there's people around you going to hell and they don't care. And here's the primary reason why. No one can come to the Father. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him in the last day. Now that's extremely important. Number one, no one around you can come to God except God draw them. Now, that's why you're talking to them and they don't care what you're saying because the Holy Spirit is not ministering to them. All right, that's a lack of prayer on your part. Now, you cannot pray like this. Oh, God, save Joe. God already saved Joe. What you're going to need to do is pray. I'm working with Joe Heavenly Father, you've put me with this guy, and I know you died, that Jesus died on the cross. I'm going to ask you right now to start drawing Joe to you. I'm asking you to open the eyes of his heart and his understanding. I want an open door to share Jesus with this guy. If not me, then someone else. But I'm going to ask you to start dealing with him. Now, one day, I was working with this girl... Um, and, and, uh, and I, I, I'm coming back from lunch and she was a leasing agent and, um, on the way back, I didn't pray long. I'm in my, I'm in my, I had a Jeep at the time. I had a male Jeep, not a, not a, not an anti-female Jeep, a, a, a male carrier Jeep, postal Jeep, not a male Jeep versus female Jeep, but a male Jeep. I bought one for like $1,500 in Tulsa. So I put all my maintenance tools in this thing and drove around all over Tulsa. So I'm driving in and I'm praying for her. When I stepped in the office, she looked at me and she said, where do you go to church? I went, that's fast. God wants people born again. But he cannot move unless you ask him. 
Now, if I could get you to do any one thing, your prayer has always been a burden if it's preached wrong. How many hours did you pray today? Well, not very many. Because to you, it's a duty that God's requiring for you to stop having any kind of life and sit and pray. And it becomes a duty. And that's the way the church views prayer. But prayer means your children are not growing in God if you're not praying. You want, God, God goes, pray for your kids. Come on, sit down and pray for your kids. I want in their life today. I want in your marriage. I want in your husband. I want in your wife's head. I want to move in this church. I want to move where you work. Ask me. I want you to talk to me about the people that are around you, please. I care about them. That's why they're there. I know they're a pain in the backside, but talk to me about them. And that's why you're there. When I first married Lisa, Lisa is a very sweet assembly of God girl. She didn't know nothing when I married her. Not the Bible. She knew a little bit of scripture. and She loved the Lord. She knew how to pray. She knew everything the assembly of God taught her, which wasn't much. And most of it was condemnation. And when I married her, there were so many things I tried to tell her in the Bible. I'd say, well, this is the word says it. The word says it. And she, it, just, it just didn't sink. And, and I would say, why don't you get this? And I would talk to her about who she is in Christ and what belongs to her and all of those things. And it just, oh, my God. It was like talking to the wall. Come on, y'all don't know what I'm talking about, do you? And just... So finally, one day I went in the, in, the, in the bedroom and literally went in the closet and I opened up my Bible and I started praying for her and she came to the door and knocked on it. What are you doing in there? Are you praying for me? You don't need to be praying for me. You need to be praying for yourself. Boom. And I continued to pray for her. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to take the credit for all that girl knows today. I'm going to be honest with y'all. Because she was a good girl when there's nothing wrong with her. Didn't know nothing. But all the stuff that I was learning about who you are in Christ and what belongs to her. And I, and I make a joke to now. I say God speaks Elizabethan. Because he would talk to her and she would get it. I talked to her and she didn't get nothing I said. And you guys have people in your life and you're doing the same thing. There's a time, say less, pray more. Amen. That's a good motto for life, well, especially with your kids. If you want them to get something, you need to pray them into that knowledge. That's called revelation knowledge. They need to get it. If you're talking to them and they're getting frustrated, just stop and go, hey, hold on a minute. I'm gonna, I'll be back in an hour. I'm going to go pray for you by God. You're going to get this. So people around you that are, you're invited to marry Fran. Yeah, I'll be there. They're not coming. The devil is going to keep them from coming because he's got them bound up. You're going to have to use the authority Jesus gave you and get them loose from the spirits that are keeping them bound. They don't know why they don't believe in Jesus. They don't know why they're bound. They have no idea what's wrong with their life. 
and you're trying to help them and you're talking to them about the Lord and they're crying and, and nothing's working. And finally, you just give up and go, forget it. I ain't never sharing nobody anymore. All you ever do is getting mad at me. When I first started pastoring this church, I didn't pray for you like I should have. I'd preach and people would look at me like, what? And I'd get frustrated. I'd like, I said that every Sunday for a year. I'll tell you, it's frustrating to be preaching on cast all your cares on the Lord. And on the way out, somebody look at you and say, pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. And they just want to spill their guts and all their problems. And I'm going, what did we just do for two hours? We're talking about casting our cares on the Lord. And they didn't get it. Well, we've all been there, haven't we? Mark, mark this in your Bible. The people in your family are not coming to God unless God draws them. And God's not drawing them unless you're praying for their eyes to be opened and for them to see and hear and understand. God, draw Uncle Joe to yourself in the name of Jesus. Open up his eyes. All right. Number two. 2 Corinthians 4.4. This is the second thing you've got to know if you're going to get people saved. Come on, I'm giving you something. I mean, people would pay $100,000 to know this. If not a million. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God should shine on them. Who has their mind screwed up? The devil. What, something's in their head stopping them. Condemnation, guilt, shame, wrong images of God, past experiences about church. Something has them bound up and it's a lie from hell, but they're bound. You can't sit and talk to them for a year hoping to hit that one special thing and they go, that's it. You can't do that. You've got to take authority over the devil that has them all messed up. You have authority over all of the work of the enemy. So you're going to go back to work Monday and you're going to go, Satan, get off of Joe. Stop your maneuvers. And off of my Aunt Henrietta. And you get off of, of my husband. And you get off my kids right now in the name of Jesus. You're not blinding them. You're not dragging them. You're not lying to them. I, you, you found, stop all maneuvers against them. Yeah. Jesus said he gave you the keys to the kingdom. That means you have the car and you got the keys and you got the power. And he says whatever you allow is allowed and whatever you buy. You're going to have to do some. You've got to decide what you're going to allow in your home. Amen. And that's what's happening. See, you're, you're fighting and arguing. Quit fighting with the devil and people. Now, it's not funny they're going to hell. Now, listen to me. You said, yeah, but I did do that. Listen to me. Every time you prayed, God came on them. Every time you prayed, he came on them. Don't you, don't you look at me and say it didn't happen. It did so happen. God talked to them and they said No. I'll pray again tomorrow. Get, get God on them tomorrow. I mean, don't let them sleep. Now, let me, let me say something to y'all. There are times that God has dealt with me to change. And I'm going to be honest with y'all since y'all aren't going to be honest with me. There's sometimes it took him a while. 
to talk me into the idea of making some adjustments. Am I the only one in here that he ever had to kind of work with for a while because I'm dragging my feet? Or is it just me and Tim? Anybody, come on, y'all, raise your hands. Let's say it's okay. This is, a, this is a bad cost of church. Every one of us. So listen, if that's true for us who love the Lord, how much more your heathen in-laws? I mean, he's over there talking to him about, you need to give your heart to Jesus. And he's going, I got to give up Budweiser. You know, and they're over there struggling with God. And then you lay off for a month and the Holy Ghost quits talking to them. And they're like, whoo. Man, don't you get off of there. You pray for them. And the more, listen to me real quick. Listen, write this in your Bible. The more you pray, the meaner they're going to get. Don't say it don't work because they got mean. No, they got mean because it's working. How you know God's dealing with them? They get grumpy. They're walking around. All you do is go down to that church. All you ever do is go down to that church. All you ever do is go down to that church. Oh, God is dealing with you. Oh, yeah, they weren't grumpy till you start praying. Oh, grumpy. I have a friend named Gray Bennett. His brother Richard still gets my CDs. <laughs> Richard, if you're getting this, give me a call one day, buddy. Every time I'd pray for Gray, he'd go to church. If I missed, he didn't ever show up at church. And I went one day, I said, well, you start going to church. He said, you need to pray. I said, well, I prayed him in church every day for six months. He said, well, he apparently hadn't got it yet. You know, when they're a baby, they're a baby. You know, you're going to have to take some of your friends and in-laws and outlaws. You're going to do a little bit more than just kumbaya praying for them. You're going to have to get real serious about this thing. Pray for them on a daily basis. They need wisdom and they're not doing it. You already know they're not doing it. Come on, I'm doing a pretty good job. So the first thing we've got is that you need to pray that God would draw them. And the second thing is get the devil off of them. And don't do it just once. This is not the prayer of faith. You're not praying the prayer of faith for yourself to receive something Jesus died. You're praying for a person who, is talk, who God is talking to and he wants to talk to them a lot. My mother started praying for me. God would come on me in all kinds of places. I'm out in the woods one day hunting. Holy Ghost comes on me and starts talking to me about heaven and hell. And I'm like, what? What is this going on in my head right now? I'm sitting here in the woods thinking about I don't want to go to hell. Why am I thinking about I don't want to go to hell? I'm deer hunting. God, my mom is praying. Y'all remember this Jesse Duplantis telling the story? He's in Mexico, Tijuana. And he finally gets up and goes to the phone and says, Mama, quit praying for me. I can't even sin anymore without thinking about it. I mean, she prayed him in too, baby. Come on. We're talking about people who are going to hell. Talking about you being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let's move on because um, I only got 11 minutes, 14 minutes and 77 seconds. All right. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. See, if you're religious, you, don't, you, won't, you won't know all this. You've got to get in the Bible and find out how to do this. Took me a while to learn all of this stuff. 
Luke 10, 2. And he said, the labors truly are great, the harvest is great, and the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest, send labors in his harvest. All right, now, that's, now this is another situation. You've got in-laws and outlaws, and they don't live near you. They live in another state. They're someplace. Or they already don't want to talk to you. Now, the next thing you've got to do is say, God, send somebody across their path today and this week to talk to them about Jesus. You do it. He's sending somebody. And there are people you have been sent to and you stopped and you found out every time you witness that somebody's hungry, ask them, who's praying for you? Because nobody that you're talking to is going to get born again unless someone's praying. You're wasting your time. When I was, a, when I was a, in, in Athens, Georgia, we had an um, apartment complex and I was a resident manager there. That was one of the things God did for me to get me out of debt. Got, and I had a free rent, free utilities, free phone, and a free swimming pool. So, have y'all ever seen pictures that people paint and they're black and white, but one house in the picture is in color? Yeah. I always thought that's kind of a neat artwork. That's the way I view people who are being prayed for. Everyone else is black and white, but that one person. There was a lady there that everywhere I went, I ran into her. My next door neighbors, I never saw them. I didn't know what they looked like. And I'm the resident manager. They would drop their money in the mailbox at night. I never saw them. I could point at doors and say, I don't know them. and I don't know them. And I don't know them. But there was one lady. I ran into her in the grocery store. I ran into her to bring her rent. I ran into her everywhere I went. I ended up getting her born again. Because she kept, she I kept bumping into her and we kept talking and then she would ask me a question and I'd answer it. Then I began to pray for her and I ended up getting her born again. And when I I started learning this at that time and I looked at her and I said, let me ask you a question. Who's praying for you? She said, I have got a sister. She has been hanging around with a guy by the name of Norval Hayes. Down in, down in Florida. Have you ever heard of Norval? I said, I have heard of Norval. She said, yes, she, he's, she's one of those tongue talkers. And, and ever since she got to where she started running around with tongue talkers, she said, I'm telling you what, all I think about is God. And I got her born again and got her speaking in tongues. She called her sister and said, well, it worked. Her sister's prayers caused me to run into her everywhere. Her sister was in, was in Crystal River, Florida, and this is Athens, Georgia, but she prayed me across her path every day. See, this is powerful guys. This is way beyond what the church has known. We have not, we have not really gotten into this as deep as we could. There's a lot of people should be being born again because of us. All right. The next thing Ephesians chapter 1, and then I'm going to tell you a story. No, Romans 10. Romans 10. And we'll go to Ephesians. You remember me telling you the story about the girl named Jan in Tulsa? Now, I worked at an apartment complex, and I'm going to be honest with you, ain't nobody in there gave any thoughts to Jesus. I'm a Christian, and all they do, they know I'm a Christian, and they just, they just kind of laugh about it, make fun about it. But there's not anybody that I worked with that was even a tiny bit interested in, in the Lord. I would talk to them a little bit, and they were just like, go, go back to work. 
No, no concern whatsoever. That was the day that I got off and started praying about my ministry. And the Lord spoke to me and he says, well, everybody around you is going to hell. I said, well, so now my attitude was they're not interested. I've already talked to him. He said, until Jan gets saved, don't talk to me about ministry. And he put, he laid it on me that I was personally responsible for her being born again. I just said something very heavy to you. And I said, are you serious? And she was an adopted by Italians. And she was a hot-headed, domineering female. Not the kind of person I thought could even be saved. Nor did I enjoy being around her. Because she didn't like men at all. And she thought she had to boss everybody around, including me. So now I got to get her born again. Well, I told God, I said, that's not right. But he just walked away and left me there. And so every day I went off and started praying for Jan. And that's when I started praying these prayers. I started praying the prayers in Ephesians over Jan. Father, today in the name of Jesus, draw Jan to yourself. And then I would sit and pray in the Holy Ghost over Jan. And then I would, I would pray, Satan, you get off of her. You're not hindering her from coming to Jesus. And I did this every day for days. One day, and I would go to an empty apartment and eat my lunch. I was a maintenance man, so we always had empty apartments someplace, and I had the keys to everything. So I'd go in there, eat my lunch, lay in the carpet, and pray in the Holy Ghost. That's what I did every day for lunch. Just lay there and pray in the Spirit and pray for people. And so one day the Lord said to me, ask me to get her to church. Well, that was when my thinking changed. Why would God ask me to ask him a question? I thought, well, that's so stupid. Why don't you just do it? And that was when I learned that he can't move unless you ask him. That's a powerful, that just, that right there, that's the reason you have denominations. Because the sovereignty message is the biggest heresy. The, The sovereignty message has sent more people to hell than anything on this earth. God is running everything. And what it does is it makes you lazy. And you don't do nothing because God is running everything. You never know what God will do. Well, there's no reason for you to pray because God's running everything. People going to hell left and right, and you're sitting around being a good, ignorant as a rock Christian. That's powerful. I know that upsets people, but it's true. You get filled with the Holy Ghost speaking tongues, he'll start teaching you some stuff. All right. So, so, I, I, so I said, okay, God, get Jan to church. In Jesus' name, get her to church. Well, I walked in the office and she said, where do you go to church? I went, oh, that's fast. And I, said, I went to Bobby Andean's church at the time, Grace Fellowship in, in, um, in Tulsa. So the next Sunday, her and Scott went to church. Well, I prayed and prayed and prayed. She didn't walk down and get saved. I was so upset. I said, you have no idea. I'm stuck in Tulsa until you get saved. Three Sundays, she went to church. Three Sundays. I prayed for three Sundays. Finally, the third Sunday, she walks the aisles. I, was, I actually started praying in the prayer room during the church service for her soul for, for an hour and a half while she's listening to Bob to get saved. I mean, I'm, this girl's got to get saved. And she did. Now, I want you to think about it. She'd have gone to hell. You have people right now that will go to hell because you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing. 
and the people that you work with, you, you need to take what you're doing very serious. You're sent there for a reason. I don't mean you need to be God and carry the weight of it. I'm going to tell you how I got out from under the weight of it in just a minute. So she finally walks forward and gets born again. Well, she's so happy. She got saved and she comes back to work and she just wants to know all about the Bible and mine. And I went, yes. And I went to God and I said, God, Chan got saved. And God said, her husband's not. And I said, that's not what's right. Well, I was so mad when he said that. And I didn't, I didn't go off and pray. Scott was outside in the clubhouse doing something. And I just walked up and I said, Scott, can I ask you a question? Have you considered where you're going when you die? I said, I can't leave town till you get saved. And I opened up the Bible and led him the Lord right there. I'm waiting on Bob Yandian. I'm waiting on no preacher. You're getting saved. He said, you know, I've been thinking about that. And I got him born again right there. Then the two of them invited me for dinner that night. And they had a guy there named Ron who was a used car salesman who was a car salesman at the Oldsmobile place. Well, he says, I'm going to teach you how to buy a brand new car. Now, I led him the Lord. They brought him to dinner so I would lead him the Lord. So I got Ron saved at the dinner table. That's three people. And then I talked to the other two at work. And once I witnessed to them, God said, you can go to Orlando. And God let me go. I would never have left if those guys hadn't gotten saved. <laughs> then Ron sat me down and says, I'm going to teach you how to buy a brand new car. Any car you want to and how to buy it for only, at that time, $100 over what, it, what they bought it for. Now, you understand this. He said, there's a markup, but the, but the Oldsmobile people actually pay them to sell that car. And if they could pay the commission, and back then, it, you know, now it's like $500,000, but back then $100. So I just walked in the Oldsmobile dealer, and I said, I'll give you 100 over sticker. And I walk out with this car right now. And he said, Mr. Morgan, come back. And I bought it. And they, GMAC financed it. And I, and I drove it off the one in the showroom in the middle of the show. I drove that dude out home. Brand new Cutlass Supreme. I didn't know how to do that. So, so God used that to, to prosper me. Well, you ought to go start getting some heathens saved. Amen. Now, once I learned this. This is the thing that's helped me with my life. I realize that I have to pray, but when your church gets big, you can't do all the praying. I can't pray for everybody you know. You guys, Mary Fran's coming. You guys need to go to, you need to go home tonight, pray for the people you've asked and do what I've said and begin to pray for them because they need to come out of darkness into the light that nobody wants to just go to hell and they don't know any better guys. You're their only hope will be one. Are y'all listening? This is a powerful sermon. Okay, listen, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? You're not talking about a pastor. You're talking about someone sharing Jesus with them. When you've prayed and when you have, there will come a day when they will stop you and say, can I ask you a question? Yes, you can. And they'll start asking you questions. God will start drawing it. If, if not, somebody else. But like Chase said the other day, if you start praying, God, who around me is ready? 
Who around me is some, just use me. And man, he'll, man, pop, you are in, you are right there by them talking. And you're like, oh, you're the one I'm supposed to talk to. Open up your Bible, get them born again. That's why we're here. Follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. If you're a Christian, you're supposed to be getting people saved. And I'm not saying, I'm not talking about knock on doors like a Jehovah Witness. I'm talking about life, doing life with people. You, you, you don't need to knock on doors. You, you hang around enough people. And, and, and listen, the ones that will listen to you are the ones that know you. They already know you. They know you love the Lord. They trust you. You bring them in here and say, you need to come to church, listen to my pastor. They don't know me. They don't like, they don't even like me. They don't, they don't know me. So you can't keep dragging them to church to hear me because you like me. They don't know me. They're not going to listen to me. But when I worked construction, I got almost everybody I work with born again. We would pull up blocks, have lunch. And they would start talking, sometimes joking, but, but I'm telling you in their heart, they want to know. And they really, Omar Walker, the black guy, and he made a statement to me one day. I won't tell you what it was. He said, Morgan, I want what you got. I thought he was making another because he, he's, he ran around the black Panthers and those guys gave me a, they gave, they gave me a lot of trouble. You know, they threw mud on my boots and did all kind of stuff to me. But he made a statement. He says, I'm going to tell you something. Since the day you came to work here, we give you hell and you don't rattle. And whatever it is you have, I want it. And I brought him to the house, got him born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. But because I worked with him and he saw me day in and day out and I prayed over them. And I told you they became friends. Now, I'm going to tell you, they gave me hell, but it didn't stop the love I had for them. See, if you're born again, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. You know the difference between the person and what they're doing. You know that. I didn't say I liked everything about them, everything they did. I didn't like it. But I'll tell you, you couldn't stop the love of God that was in my heart. And then Twig wanted to talk to me and Bird. And I don't want to get all these names, you know. But... But later we became friends, and, and that's been true pretty much everywhere I've worked since the day that I worked in Hardesty, and God told me, don't. Everywhere I've worked from that day forward, I've got everybody I work with either born again or mad. <laughs> I don't make them mad on purpose. But, you know, there's a couple of them I'd talk to them, and they'd say, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. My boss, Larry, that I worked for, he died at 40-something years of age and went to hell. It was after I left. I know that God put me there for him. And he had a chance. He was into porn bad. We're talking about over his head in it all the time. And pornography and X, triple X-rated movies and all that mess. And so he, I really bothered him bad, just being a Christian. And he told me. <laughs> and I would tell him I loved him, and he, you know. But I was there for him. So he can't stand before God and say, I didn't know he was going to go. Uh, I sent you somebody. And everybody on the job, most of them got born again but him. 
And he died. And Omar told me, says, he just dropped stone cold dead at 40-something years of age one day. Just died. Boom. Fell over dead. I went, mm, that's sad. But it wasn't that we didn't try. You, I, don't want it on my, I don't want it on my conscience. Well, I wish I had more time and out of time. It takes, it takes love to care enough about the people you work with to be there to minister to them. And not just be selfish. Your flesh does not want to sit and talk about the Lord all the time. It doesn't. Nobody's does. That's why when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you build yourself up on your most holy faith. You will be, you will, you will feel more like witnessing. Now, and I, I had one more scripture, Ephesians 1, where he says, Father, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. I prayed that over the guys I worked with. I prayed that over Lisa. I prayed that over my kids. I pray it over them now. I pray over, the, I pray over Joshua. Justin, Jordan, Che, and Ashley. I pray over my kids. I pray over you. Before I come in, God, tonight when I open my mouth, I want, you to, I want them to understand what I'm saying. I want you to hear me. Not words. I want you to hear what I'm saying. I want you to do this. I don't want you to come and say, wasn't that wonderful? Wasn't that wonderful? It's just wonderful. Just. No, I actually want you to start bringing people to church is what I want you to do. Amen. Amen. There's people in this city need the Lord. Yes. Amen. When Mary Friend comes with Sony, we prayed. People were healed all over the place. Yes. Twelve people walked forward. I know some of them were already born again, rededicating their life. That's fine. And, uh, and, and if, you, if you're one of them, then thank God for you. But, um, you know, you, you need to pray for people that the Spirit of God would draw them. Yes. And you need to pray over yourself. When your flesh starts crying and whining and sucking your thumb. Get alone. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray yourself out of that mess. Amen. Did y'all learn anything tonight? Does this help you when it comes to, to witnessing and ministering to people? Amen. Father, tonight, after tonight, when we leave here in the church, you know, there's only 120 in the upper room that changed the whole world. And there's probably not 120 in here, but I think we can change a city. And Father, I th I'm asking for people in this room just to commit to start praying for their family and the people they work with. That's all. Just pray. I know what you want to do. You want to move in their life and you'll open up a door, whether it's the people here talking to them or someone else. We pray that you'd send labors across their paths. We pray that you'd open up their eyes of their heart to understand. And I pray over the people right now that they will hear and the spirit of God would deal with them to start doing this. And don't, don't let this sermon fall to the ground and die. Father, we've been talking about rewards. We've been talking about standing before you. And this is serious stuff. The people around us are very important to you, no matter where they come from. So I'm asking you to use the people in here in Jesus' name. Amen. When I came to Jesus, let me tell you all something. The people around me didn't want to witness to me because I was so bad. You don't give up on someone because they're bad. My mother prayed. The Christians I lived around, they all said, let him go to hell. I mean, I was that mean. I got kicked out of a city. I was just mean. But I'm going to tell you something. God loved me. And my mother loved me. 
And my mother prayed me in the kingdom. Hadn't been for my mom, I'd probably not. And she started with me because I was the worst. Thank God I was the worst. Amen. I'm being, I'm being funny, but it's true. She thought if God can save Daryl, he'll save anybody. And everybody in my family, when I got saved, went, there's a God. <laughs> if he got saved, I mean, they all lined up at my door and go, is it true? Did you get religion? Amen. God bless you. Y'all have a great day. I'll see you back here Sunday morning. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.